Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 49. Hey guys, welcome to the show and a happy new year to you. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that it is 2020 already. That is a crazy, just sounds like a crazy date, doesn't it? But uh, excited to be back with you. Got a, an exciting lineup of guests coming up over the next few weeks. I've been working hard trying to <laughs> nail some folks down during the holidays and hunting season. It's been really hard just to kind of get guests every single week. And that's my goal for this year. I'd love to have at least one guest every week. And so if you have any hunting stories from this season, previous seasons, uh, once again, want to encourage you to give me an email, uh, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Just send me an email real quick and uh, love to have you on and, and hear some of your hunting stories. I uh, got some whitetail stories coming up over the next couple weeks and uh, maybe an elk story I think lined up so I'm, I'm excited about what's on the horizon. I uh, got some new videos coming out on Shedding Light Outdoors uh, YouTube page and Facebook so make sure you check that out as always. Also uh, just encourage if you haven't done it left yet uh, if you'd leave me a five star review if you enjoy this podcast. I know several of you have said that you do but on my ratings only 21 people on iTunes have told me that so just stop right now pause it real quick if you would give me that review I would greatly appreciate it. Help spread the word on the podcast and get more people in- invested. So uh, excited for today. Uh, just had a great sit down with the Cunningham family. You might remember Ben came on and talked about coyote hunting uh, a few uh, episodes back. And uh, Ben's a super nice guy. I enjoy going and spending time at his house. He has this big, nice, beautiful log cabin. And you walk in and there are just deer heads and elk and caribou and everything on the wall. He just lives for and loves hunting and, and is also a good family man. Takes his kids out hunting and so I sat down with him and his two sons and one daughter uh, joined us for the episode and got some of their hunting stories. And also uh, Ben and I talk a little bit in this episode about you know how to get your kids into hunting and uh, just some steps and some things that you can do to, to make that a good process. And I thought he had some really good tips and tips on tips and tricks on how to do that. So that said, that's all I got today. We're just going to jump right in and here we go with the Cunningham family. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Super. Having a, did you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah. What'd you do? I got my basketball hoop. You got a basketball hoop. Okay. How about you? Um, I got those Legos that I was playing with. Okay. I saw those downstairs. Cora, how about you? I got a um, dinosaur from um, Rami that has a long, has a long neck and his name is Spots. Spot that is awesome. That's really cool. Well, guys, I am here with the Cunninghams. Um, you guys have met Ben before. Uh, ben, uh, coyote hunter, but he's also a deer hunter. And we've got. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. What's your name? Jackson. How old are you, Jackson? Seven. All right. And what's your name? Daniel. Daniel. I'm eight. Eight. Cora. Uh huh. And how old are you? Um. Six. Had to think about it. Yeah, okay, six years old. And this is Ben, and Ben's 20-some, right? Yeah, r- roughly. Yeah, maybe a little more. <laughs> <laughs> He's 35. Well, <laughs> 35. You can't all tell right. all my secrets, Jackson. Yeah. Well, I uh, love walking into your house. Got a log cabin, and you walk in, and there are dead animals all over the wall. So, um, now I know, Ben, you've gotten a lot of those. Your wife has gotten a few. And we'll talk about some of your stories, but I know that you guys have started hunting. So I wanted to tell some of those, hear some of those stories about how you guys have got your deer. I see one, uh, we're up here in Daniel's bedroom, and I see one up in the corner. Oh, they're both their bedrooms. Yeah, it's both their bedrooms. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all bunk beds. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> so, guys, how did you get started hunting? Tell me the story. So, we started out, we were... Um, this is Jackson, by the way. Crossbow hunting, and... We didn't see anything, so one day we were. It was gun season, and we went out hunting. This is this year. Yeah, this year, and we. Um, I was with Ivan. Ivan is my dad's friend, and we were hunting, and I. I called you guys, didn't I? Yeah, he called. My dad called us, and then so Dylan. 
um, went in the gun shop to um, get some sh to tell his dad that there was a, that my dad called him and then he said that there was a giant deer there and so we just went down and dad we walked up we just started we went and then we so your dad saw the deer first when we, we me and jackson went hunting early that morning and daniel had a basketball game so a buddy of mine was going to take Jackson the rest of the day, or the rest of the morning. Yeah. So I was coming home to change and get to Belpre to the basketball game. And on the way, right up here by the house in a pasture field, um, I saw the buck that they'd been wanting to kill all year. So you guys have like a hit list, right? You have certain bucks that you want to get? Yeah. Okay. Have you have you shot a deer before? Yeah, I shot a little six-point last year. It wasn't that big, but... But you are excited? Yeah. Tell, you... tell them how far you shot it at. 185 yards. We're you using a bow? Uh, gun. Gun, that makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yeah, that's awesome. So you shoot a six point, so this year you're aiming for something a little bit bigger, Jackson, right? Yeah. All right. So your dad calls, you got this buck that he's spotted or that, that he knows about. Yeah. So what do you do next? So we, we go in the pasture field and there's a buck and it just staring at us. I'm telling what it. It was. It had a doe pen down, didn't it? Yeah, and it had a doe pen down in the creek. Yep. And so it looked at us, and we, we, it. Were you nervous? We, we, yeah, I was really nervous. <laughs> Weeds were getting in my face, so, and Dad was like, um, get those out of your face, and I was like, I can't. And then he, so he pulled it out of my face. And then I saw the buck and... We'd snuck up a, a fence line to get to where we knew the buck was. He was standing over top of the doe he had pinned down. And Jackson was saying there was weeds in the way. And I thought he meant in front of the deer. And it was actually like briars in his face. Because <laughs> I'd shoved him up into the fence road and laid his gun on the fence as a rest. And uh, he kept telling me there was weeds in the way. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see them. But then I figured out it was in his face. So I ripped those out of there. So what kind of gun are you using? Um, it's a rifle, three fifty seven. Three fifty seven rifle, okay. And it's got a, it's got a scope on it. Yeah. All right. Yours so, has a red dot, huh? Ooh. Okay. So get the red dot on. You see the deer pretty good at this point. Yeah, and the the red dot was I couldn't get it on him, so then I just stopped, and it was on the deer's chest. So then I just shot and it fell the fence was shaking real bad that fence had <laughs> that red dot that fence was shaking wasn't it buddy yeah, yeah. barbed wire wasn't holding still and it fell and but it wasn't dead it it neck its neck was broke but yeah he's he shot it in the neck facing us and it broke its neck and went down but there he got a little excited and we did a little bit of I was trying to get him calmed down, but he was doing a little bit of hollering. And that, <laughs> unbelievably, that deer got up and went another, I don't know, 75 yards or so before it fell in the, the yeah. ditch there. Mm. So it, it went under a log. And then we walked up there and Dad got a hold of it. Dad said you got an eight point, and then I went down and found it, and then it was actually a nine point. Oh, Tell wow. them uh, it was an interesting deer to kill for them, actually, because... We've been working on learning how we get permission to hunt places, and that's just up the road here, and Miss Elaine um, owns that property, and it's across from ours, and the boys really wanted to hunt there because going back and forth to school, they were seeing this buck chasing the does. So one evening, they decided, they asked me if they could hunt there, and I said, I can, but I said, I don't think you, you've ever asked her. So they got, they kind of got all dressed and went up there one evening and I dropped them off they went and knocked on her door and asked permission and got the rules and regulations of hunting on miscellanes what'd she tell you um she said the rules were that you can't leave any trash and the other rule was if you get a if you get anything just come tell me oh okay so she wanted to know about it yeah. yeah. She used to, when I was their age, she took me hunting. Oh, wow. Uh, That's awesome. So you get this uh, nine point, did you get him, get him mounted? 
Uh, it's getting mad right now, and it was pretty big. Yeah, I saw the pictures. It looks big. So that's congratulations, Jackson. That's awesome. And now, now Cora's in here. Cora, I understand that you uh, you're a possum killer. Have you killed a possum recently? Mm. No. Oh, you didn't kill it. You just you caught it. Uh, I hold it a live possum. How'd you catch it? Um. By the it tail. Was, huh? Um, on the floor, and then I um holded it up on its tail, and it was like it was um um. Pretend, uh, he was pretending he was um, playing dead. Playing dead, was he? <laughs> They'll do that. And did you get a squirrel? Did you squirrel hunt? Mm -hmm. um, did you have, have you got a squirrel yet? Mm -hmm. Not yet. Mm -hmm. But you, Dad got one and he, you were holding it up? Uh, uh, In the picture? Yeah. Okay, that's the one. That's the one. Because Dad was joking about you needed some front teeth and so you got you, he got that squirrel for you so you could get your, your new front teeth. You think that'll work? No. no. We rinsed them out of there. They weren't clean enough, were they? <laughs> A little long, though. All right. Well, Daniel, over to you. Let's hear about your uh, hunting career. How'd you get started? How many? Are you yet? Do you have any sponsors yet, or any pro staff looking for you? <laughs> I've um, killed four deer, and I've killed two button bucks, one six point, and my eight point that I'm going to talk about. And then, so we one day we. Oh, my grandpa's, he has like a bunch of acres out there. How, how long have you been hunting? I've been hunting for about four years. How old are you? You getting ready to turn nine? Yeah. Since you were five? Killed your first deer at five? Is that right? Four, five? Four, four or five. And then, so one day we were going up to my grandpa's and we were driving down the lane and we stopped and then we got out of the truck. Um, we walked into the blind, sat there for an hour, maybe, and then, so there's this deer that we've been hunting for, like, he has, like, four years, four days, and, um, and he's been there, like, every time my dad's been there, and then we went, me and him went there, like, the night before. Two nights before. Two nights before, and um, we saw the same deer. We just couldn't get a shot at him. We snort wheezed at him. Then <laughs> Daniel said, "What is that noise that you just made?" <laughs> and I said, "Just watch." And sure enough, he come running at us. Yeah, but he? then he. Have you learned how to do the noise? Not quite. But then he came in, but he there's a wood line, and he cut that woods line right before we were like getting my gun up and stuff, and then he cut the woods line. Right before we That was could, a bow. That was two nights Yeah, before. that was a bow. And then we couldn't get a shot at him. And my da dad was like, I think he might come around the other side of the blind. Because we heard something back in there. And he just wouldn't come out. But I figure he was back. But, mm -hmm. um, and then we, and then, so we went in there. We got out of the truck and stuff, like I already told you. And then um, we we sat there for like an hour, and then I, I know you've been hunting this deer for a while now, right? You're going after one. Yeah. Okay. And so, how how many times have you been out, Daniel? Twice. Twice so far. Well, this you mean this year? This year. This year. Ten. Maybe ten times. Yeah, and I think then, that's about right. But yeah. we were hunting. We were hunting two different deer. What was the one up on the where we had to walk so far? What's his name? Moneymaker. <laughs> Moneymaker. <laughs> What'd you call this one? The one you killed? I couldn't remember what his I name was. You called. No, I didn't. I had a name that I wanted to call him, but you wouldn't let me. You called him something else. I don't know. But. So you've been hunting hard. Were you getting kind of like tired of hunting at this point? Yeah. Or? Okay. And then, so, um, we, the, so we were in the blind and then. It was like I had to I had to drag you out of the house, didn't I? Literally. <laughs> it was like four thirty ish at night and He was trying to hide behind his mom. Yeah. And um He's like, I don't want you to tell that part. <laughs> and um and so all of a sudden he just came out in the cornfield and we were like What? And then so he came in. He was about 15 to 20 yards away from us. By the time we walked down there, but what, what did we put in that scrape over there? Remember, we switched to, uh, instead of using dough urine, what did we use? 
Remember we used buck urine that night? Yeah, we used buck urine, and then, um, we, so he came in at like 15 or 20 yards, and, um. You're using the 357? Yeah, and, um, we, I shot him, and he went over a hill. Did you feel like you made a good shot? Yeah. He's having, well, he accidentally left his, the spot we were hunting in the morning was like, you can see a mile in every direction. We had a scope turned up to seven. And I always check that because, you know, they don't really adjust their scopes. And it was turned up to seven power. So when that deer appeared, he was at 50 yards. And he was coming straight at us. And he kept saying, and he's shot quite a few deer and other things. And I don't really do anything with him. He does it all. And he kept saying, I can't find the deer. And it's black and different things. And I'm like, what in the world? And I looked and his scope was clear up on power. <laughs> <laughs> and so this deer's closing. You know, he's been trying to kill it with a bow, and here it is closing 20 yards, and his scope's on full power. So I told him, I said, your scope's on full power. You're going to have to be, like, real still and, you know, find your picture. And he finally, the deer had his nose in the scrape at 14 yards when he finally found him. Oh, wow. So, so he made a good shot. How far did he run? Uh, it was more like falling. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cliff right out of the field. Yeah, it's like this deep. He went straight down. I don't think he was maybe 75 yards, but about 50 of that was just falling down a hill. So this is your fourth deer? Yeah. Fourth deer. So were you like shaking or are you still, are you, you, you a little bit calmer? I was hugging him. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Like. Why were you hugging your dad? Because I was just like really excited because that's like the biggest deer I've ever killed. Yeah. And then. And he, he, he drug you out of the house that night, too. Yeah, right? and I was like, and before we left the house, he was like, we might have good luck. So, and I then told you, I said, that deer's coming out every night, and we got to be there. Yeah, it was That's just cool. a weird hunt. So. That's awesome. So how big of a deer? Yeah. It was a 130, 25-inch 8-point. Oh, wow. That's great, Daniel. That's a good deer, and it sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun out there, which is the main thing. How much do you guys... You guys, do you guys practice a lot of shooting or here and there? Or? Was, here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we always, when their setups are so intense, you know, with what they're using, we have to kind of build every season based off of how much they grow or change their cheek pieces and different things. And so once we get it all set in and adjusted, they'll, they do quite a bit of shooting right then to make sure everything's good and, I remember when I was little, I was shooting one of those, um, like in the, oh, an AR-15? Yeah. I was shooting an AR-15 in the, um, last winter. Yeah. And you like those guns because they're short. They shorten up. Yeah. And it was pretty fun. So let me ask you guys this. I'll let you guys, your dad's got some, uh, buck stories that he's going to tell, but, uh, I want to ask you guys before... Um, what's your favorite part about hunting? What do you guys like so much about it? Spending time with family. Family time, yeah. Mm, just getting to have uh, some food to eat from getting the deer in. Oh, you like the deer meat? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Jackson, he likes, he's kind of the killer. <laughs> he, likes, he likes that part. Yeah. Cor, how about you? Do you have a favorite part of hunting? Walking railroad tracks, huh? No. <laughs> What's your favorite part? I like holding shoes. Oh, she likes, animals. yeah, she likes to examine the animals and hold on yeah, to them. Yeah, huh? you get up close and personal and check it out. Well, that's awesome. Well, you guys did a good job. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I appreciate it. You guys can hang around if you want. I was going to talk to your dad a little bit, but you if you want to run, you can. You better go. So, better Ben, go let's, let's turn to you. Uh, you got a buck this year. You've had a few bucks. Any stories that kind of come to mind? Um, you know, kind of set the picture for us a little bit. Got to shut the door here real quick because the kids left. Well, we're, we still got Daniel. Daniel's still in the room. Oh, um, well, I mean, this season, I know we spoke a lot there in the summer about kind of evolving as, you know, hunting styles and things that change as you mature as a hunter. And I've I don't know, with life, with kids, and everything speeding up a little bit, I've went to not being able to sit still very well. Um, so my hunting's been changing. I do a lot of still hunting and do a lot of mobile hunting. And and I like to see different countries. So I've not been... I didn't, Well, I just put my first camera up 
three days ago, four days ago for the year. Um, and I run it three days and pulled it down. <laughs> I <laughs> the same way, man. I, I just used, haven't got too wild about it yet. I, at one point, I think that we ran 15 cameras year-round uh, between Radish and I. And that was almost like a full-time job, just, you know, salt blocks, corn piles, cameras, inventory, just keeping list. And I just went away from it this year, went back to more of a just natural, you know, hunting style. And it's paid off pretty big. Um, I guess the premise behind that was the less you pressure your deer, the less they know you're there. And I hunted, I don't know if I hunted this with the exception of with Daniel um, hunting that bunny maker deer. We hunted that spot, I think, four times together, and I hunted it two or three times other than yeah, that. Yeah, one day he saw 12 deer, and then the next day I was there, and we saw, like, 18. Yeah. I mean, no, that's wrong. Not you eight. saw 18 the first day, and then we we saw 12. Yeah. 13. Comfortable there, little buddy? He's reclined. <laughs> I'm thinking about hopping on that bunk bed over there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that that spot we hunted a lot, um, and it's a unique spot. I think it's about a, close to a mile walk straight uphill. Um, through wide open pasture, you know, it's mowed ground, hayfield, um, but it's the highest point in that county, and you can see everything and overlook a whole clear cut, and it's just a tremendous travel corridor. There's three white oak trees in, that make a corner of a fence, and other than that, it's clear cut and hayfield. That's it's it, and every deer, for some reason, comes right past them, hmm. and that's that deer he was hunting was there every day and we hunted and hunted and hunted but um that was the only spot that i hunted more than once everywhere else was either i was on my feet or i carried my stuff in hunted one time and was back out so um changed everything i actually i actually missed a a bigger buck than what i killed um this year too so i mean our hunts were with the reception you know with the exception of daniel hunting pretty hard our hunts were pretty much in and out and we were either done or uh or missed one and then i had a buddy his son wanted to learn how to still hunt in the two-day season and he missed about 185 inch deer oh. within two hours of his first still hunt that was last weekend so we're going back after him coming up but so you and we've talked a little bit about this a little bit ago you whenever you say still hunt you're not meaning just staying in one spot it's kind of moving and and explain that a little bit yeah uh, i I uh I guess to me it's a more traditional style of hunting. I don't think you see anybody do it anymore, but I guess to me to be in a tree stand in one spot, especially one that you've conditioned the deer to by visiting and running cameras and corn and everything else, I'm I'm convinced that you know, you can condition the deer pretty easy and still hunting's more of a you know, if I think back to, you know, early people or Indians or anybody, just you're just moving very very slow and you know watching sitting listening and you know you're just covering country you're seeing more you're and to me your odds are better um if you do it effectively you can be pretty loud walking and (laughs) scare everything away you know too but you know if you just kind of you know read your read your ground and move slow and you know you can see in a four hour morning hunt you can see a whole farm versus the 40 yards around you that is around your tree stand and you know, the odds to me are so much better that way. Is there certain areas that you go uh, into or stay? do you stay out of bedding areas at certain times or you just kind of slowly cover as much as you can? I There's so much that you learn over time. There is, there is technique to it. Um, I don't limit myself to anywhere. Some of the farms I hunt, I don't know every inch of. I think this, especially as bow hunters, we get ourselves so conditioned into, you know, tunnel vision into I'm going to this point on this ridge and then we don't even know what's going on the rest of the farm and a lot of times we're missing out on the best spots on the farm because we won't go past our tree stand Mm. you know and then as the rut unfolds and different things unfold through the year all this stuff's happening around you and you don't even see it because you're still in that one white oak tree because you conditioned yourself to that when honeysuckle is the main food source or or locust pods or or whatever it is you know and a deer change their food all the time based on, you know, time of the year. So when I when I go, it's I think of a I think of um ground that I hunt, you know, I try to think on the same level as Whitetail, um, as far as they're gonna go from point A to point B in the easiest way possible. So if I'm still hunting, I'm not crossing a bunch of hollows, I'm not um, 
you know, beating my way through brush or anything like that. I'm taking the easiest route, you know, from point A to point B and what makes the most sense, avoiding brush. And actually what I do is I try to get to where I can see like bedding areas mm -hmm. from a distance and be able to kind of skirt them and see in them. And that's where the deer are at normally. Are you and checking the wind as you do this, I'm assuming? I hunt, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I hunt into the wind. It's one of the only times that I will hunt with the wind in my face um, or, or a crosswind of some sort. But, um, you know, it doesn't take very far into a farm to be able to see around here with the hills. You can see, you know, different things, and you can kind of tell where things are going to be bedded or moving through or, or whatever. And then you just kind of, I keep the wind blowing to where I'm coming from. That way, you know, I've already seen that, uh, hopefully seen that there's no deer there right. unless I missed one, you know, or walked past one, but keep it going there so everything in front of me is fresh. And then also with the wind, I try to use it to cover my sound. I know we've had a lot of frosty mornings this year that are pretty loud, so you can use a ridge top or, or wind to kind of cover your sound hmm. too, so. Cool. Well, uh, so we know the boys both got bucks this year. When does your, when did you get your buck? See, Daniel shot his, the okay, Jackson shot his in youth season. They both wanted to do it with a bow again this year, but um, we didn't get quite get it done. Of course, they're in sports now, too, so it limits time. But Daniel killed his, or Jackson killed his in youth season, Saturday morning of youth season, about 10. Daniel kills his Monday night of the gun season, and then I killed mine Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday because he had basketball games at noon. Um and I was just going to walk a new piece of property, actually, is what I was doing when I killed mine. But um, So how did that go down? Well, of course, he, like we talked about, he was he hunted really hard this year and did really good. He Sometimes he gets, Daniel, he gets me up to go. And he was gung-ho and hunting hard, and he carried his own stands and stuff in this year, and he built his own backpack and had everything set up, um, grunt tubes and water and way too many loud snacks and everything. But um, he he hunted himself just about <laughs> as far as he would go. That that last night he was about burnt out. So I asked him if he wanted to go with me Saturday before his games, and he said no. He was sleeping in. He was sleeping <laughs> you in. You earned it. You earned <laughs> in. Yeah. He's he. They fill those tags, and then they they put on their coats and lay in here and talk about it and brag about it, huh? But so anyhow, I went out. We got a new piece of property against our where we do most of our deer hunting and it is like 66 acres is what it was but we added it on and i hadn't seen much of it yet daniel and i went and hung his first full stand permanent stand and we went and worked on that but that's the only time i've been on the property and it was like 100 yards in um and we set all that up and everything but i wanted to see everything so i just took off with actually daniel's little 357 and i took off on a walk that morning and radish was with me and we were going to walk that's your, your buddy, right? Yeah, I do most of my hunting with. We were just going to walk both, basically, the perimeter um, of that 66 acres and meet in the middle is what the plan was and just kind of hunt our way to each other. And so it was it was cold that morning, real cold, and it was extremely frosted and froze, so it was so crunchy. I know I jumped probably five deer less than 100 yards from the truck, and I thought, man, this is not going to be productive. I might as well just start walking, but... Um, I kept sneaking um, and and did my thing. Still hunting. I don't know. There's a few rules that I learned from a guy I hunt with in West Virginia. He's still hunted like that his whole life, and he's the stealthiest man I've ever met. And he always says, dress warm enough that you could sit still and not get cold. Mm -hmm. And then the speed that you want to still hunt at is you don't want to be hot or you don't want to be cold. So if you're moving too fast, you're going to be hot real quick. And if you're not, you know dress warm enough to you know so you're moving really slow you know every step at a time and that's just what i was doing out around the edge and i actually made it to the farthest property corner property lays kind of in a diamond and i was clear at the back and i'd walked for about an hour and a half and went about 300 yards probably was it and i was like man i cannot i'm in a spot now where i can see a lot of ground and it is so loud so I just kind of took a knee and leaned my shoulder against a tree and uh, was just getting ready to take my gun off my sling and, and sit down for a half hour or so because the sun was starting to get into the hollow and I thought it'd melt things down and I'll be able to move around quietly. And um, 
uh, when I did that, I took took a knee there, and I heard something walking, and I looked back, and that uh, that buck was walking beside me. It was actually parallel to me. I was I was down in the bottom of the hollow, um, on the lowest flat, and he was just up out of the creek on the other side of the hollow, on the other lowest flat. And he mm. when I when I heard him, he was about sixty yards away, and I looked. You know, I could see his feet. At that point, I didn't know what it was. It was it wasn't really brushy, but he was in like small beech trees, and um, I saw his feet. And I didn't want to look or turn, so I just was kind of looking over my shoulder. And I saw as the deer kept producing itself. I'm like, that's eh, dark colored. Oh, it's a big deer. And then I'm like, oh, there's rack. And I waited. And I I, I looked away because I don't I don't like to make eye contact with him. And I was looking forward. It was kind of behind me and to my right. And when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's just an eight point. I didn't think it was very big. So I just didn't look at it for a while, and it was walking. Just It was about to be coming up beside me and then in front of me. And I look back the next time, and I saw more tines. And I'm like, man, I missed something. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking. And then I, at that point, I realized that it was a real good deer. And then I realized what deer it was. It was a deer that I went to Wyoming to cut two years ago, and we'd had this deer on camera just thousands of pictures and um I had thousands of pictures of it when it was three years old and it was like a mid-60s three-year-old I mean he was huge and he had really cool kickers and a and a big knife coming off his base and stuff and and we actually made the decision to kill him at three and Radish had actually I went to Wyoming and we had pictures of him daylight every day and Radish had got set up on him and um had actually hit the deer with his bow mm. and couldn't recover it. He hit it really high, and it ended up... We, we never got another picture of him until late December that year. We got one picture of him. He was healed back up in good shape, but the grew, he grew... Where he'd hit him, all the hair was white. It was like a white spot mm. where he'd been hit. And uh, so anyhow, fast forward to this day, we had never seen that deer again. And that put the deer at six years old, and that's that's the deer he was. Oh wow! And I could tell when I looked at his rack, he had beams that come out and wrapped real tight. They were real short beams, and we always were like, that kills his score because he would be a huge scoring deer yeah. if he had beam length, but he doesn't. Which I don't really care that much about score, but anyhow, I knew his knew his beams and whatever, and um, ended up that deer. He kept walking, and I once I realized what it was. Here I am sitting there on a knee with my gun on the sling on my shoulder. You know, the deer's like 50 yards at this point walking beside me. And there's a squirrel in a treetop to my left. And it is just thrashing that treetop. And that deer was like, kept looking. And he had to look through me to see the squirrel. And I'm like, he is going to see me sooner or later, you know. And finally he put his head behind a big oak tree walking. And I got my gun down off my shoulder and was kind of ready. And then he went. At this point he was directly beside me. And I just let him walk about another 20 yards to where he was in front of me. And I had a quarter and away shot. And um, he stopped and licked his offside shoulder at one point, which put his head completely behind him. And then I, I spun completely around to sitting down, had my knee up and put my gun up. You know, and it was, a, it was about a 50-yard shot, you know, chip shot at that point in the bottom of the... <laughs> So yeah, he's at this point, he's in the clear in the bottom of a huge hollow and I'm an hour and a half out from his game. I got to be at and ended up shooting him and he went down there and then I frantically started dragging the mile over the hilltop and down to the road. Cause I couldn't go back the way I'd walked in. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was a long, uh, long track and I got him out and then we, we put him in the truck and radish was there and, uh, he pointed out that white patch. You could still see that white hair where he yeah. hit him from before. So that was that was pretty neat. But so we had a lot of history with that deer early, but he just disappeared. Yeah. So it was cool to. I like like having history with a deer yeah. to an extent. I like to shoot deer I've never seen before too. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it is cool when you have a story too. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. So you and your two boys both get deer this year. I saw a picture where you guys framed them all up together and got a neat picture there. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that was, uh, I thought about that when we were, uh, getting ready to do it. I'm like, man, this, this is one of the coolest pictures. You know, they're, they're only seven and eight, you know, and they both killed tremendous deer this year, deer that 
probably I would still shoot, you know, and they, it was a different, I don't know, something clicked for all of us this year. I mean, I've done this my whole, whole life, but for them, um, you know, we don't have TV or anything, so they don't, they don't watch outdoor TV or they don't, you know, they're just kind of, we live that and they, they're starting to get that itch where it's, they know when the seasons are coming, you know, they're not sleeping the night before and they get excited and, you know, they're starting to see things for themselves, you know, much like the Buck Jackson shot. Um, they were wanting to bow hunt it um, on Miss Lane's, but, you know, we didn't make it over there. We were hunting different deer. And then for them to, you know, go through the whole scenario, learning to ask permission <laughs> and doing that on their own and um, getting the permission and then being able to capitalize. And actually, um, the part Jackson didn't tell when I saw that deer, he had to, he was running that doe in that pasture field. I knew he wasn't going to go far, and so I called my buddy and said, "Bring Jackson up." But we had to cross another neighbor's field to get back to where he was, at least with the wind in our favor. And I thought, "I'm gonna." So I called him with Jackson there and said, "Hey, here's the situation. Can we yeah. go across?" And he's a hunter, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling." You know, so. There's so many things that they learned this year, you know, based off of that and taking advantage of the situations, but um, they did a lot of it on their own. I know Daniel, he was all excited. He needed a real backpack and to be 20 feet in a tree, like, you know, what he thinks. You know, so he he worked through a little bit of fear there. He got got the wobbly legs out and got used to it a little bit. And we you like built being him. in the tree stand now? <laughs> kind of gives me a kind of on that. We, we learned a lot. He, he thought he wanted to be up there and... And he did like it, but he, he didn't – he's always been in a ladder stand with a rail around it or something. So we built him a rail, a, a surround rail for his lock-on that we carry with us okay. and put it on. And that he feels a lot more comfortable when he's in that rail. And in his – you know, they make kids' harnesses and stuff now. So we're, we're starting to get set up. But they did a lot of it themselves. And I, being with them has changed my hunting completely because now all I, I – I think I spent my whole bow season – I hunted a few times – um, without them and I don't know I, I mean there's been both seasons where I've hunted 40 50 60 days you know and now it's like I think that every time I saw a mature deer all I did was pull my cell phone out so that I could come home and show them <laughs> pictures of it because I every, I couldn't shoot them so it was like man they're off school tomorrow this deer's here in this area so and I never ever dreamed I would be that way but it is there's something magical about taking a kid hunting you know and celebrating it you know, pass something along and celebrate it with them, and it's it's definitely changed everything about you know what I'm doing. So, mm. Dan, it seems like you get a benefit from that. You enjoy hunting with your yeah. dad. It's a lot of fun, right? Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. You know, I uh, I guess to close out, Ben. What would be your advice for? So I got a girl that's uh, three, and got a girl that's one, and maybe one day they'll want to hunt. I'm not going to pressure them too much, but for a guy in my shoes, what would you say is your biggest piece of advice as far as bringing kids into hunting and, and making it a family thing so it works out for you? Um, I, I could go on for hours about this because it's been a long process, and I guess the easiest way might be to make the mistake I think a lot of people make is getting ready to go hunting on a Saturday afternoon and the kid, you know, is tugging on their shirt tail again like please take me this time you know and then they're like okay let's go you know and there's no preparation they don't know what's going on they don't have the right clothes they're not set up you know and then you know i know i grew up a lot of my first hunts i was in brahma boots or you know like not really prepared and and you can make a hunting experience miserable super fast and especially for a kid you know that's not used to elements or you know doesn't understand why they're so cold or different things and um I think that, you know, my advice would be, um, you, you got to keep it fun. You got to make it interesting, keep it fun, let them know completely what you're doing, what's going on and let them play a role in it. You know, everybody's more into something when you got skin in the game. Um, I know with Daniel, he was my first one to start hunting and he was a little less than five when we started and he's actually got a pretty good rap sheet. You know, he's killed... <laughs> Like seven dozen turkeys. How many turkeys you killed? Two or three. I think he said four the other day, but three, three Jakes, and then your your big Tom. Mm. Or two Longbeards. And, yeah. Anyhow, two but Longbeards and one Jake. He loves turkey hunting a lot, and I know with him, we started deer hunting, and 
<laughs> his first year, I think that we made it, the longest we sat in a stand was like three minutes and 45 seconds. Because <laughs> we literally, I we have one stand that's just like automatic, and it's a double stand, and it's a three-quarters of, <laughs> three, three of a mile off the road. And we, I mean, we did everything to get back there daylight, and I'll never forget that sun coming up, just able to see and three does come by, and I'm like, man, it's going to be a good day. And as soon as they were just almost out of sight, Daniel said, that's all the deer that's here, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I we remember, just carried everything back. I remember this one day uh, I was hunting with, I went with there with you and Radish different days, but we saw, like, like, I don't know, I think there's this one, like, path that just went down, and we set a blind right beside it. And we put a corn pile in there, and we saw, like, eight does, but, like, nothing with a rack or anything. Yeah. But I was, like, I was just sitting there, and I was, like, am I going to shoot one of these? They don't like to shoot does. They're waiting on horns. They're waiting on horns, huh? <laughs> yeah. But we, uh. I've never shot the does. But we, I don't know. To me, I had a decision to make at that point because I'm, like, I can fight him and say, no, we're staying here. We just carried all this stuff back here. Or I can just let him kind of call the shots. And and I did not want to do it at all, but I'm like, all right, let's move then. And we so we started moving, and he literally would climb to the top of our ladder stands, sit down, and do a scan of the area. If he couldn't see a deer, we were going to move again. <laughs> and that's what it was the first year. And I think we moved nine times by 11 o'clock in the morning on his first hunt. And we saw six of our hit list bucks out of eight of them, we saw six of them all within range of him shooting, just couldn't get the shot off for setting up trial. And I'm like, this might be the most effective thing. I, I was so, but everywhere we stopped and parked and got out, there was a monster buck like hopping across just random places. Yeah, you know? we saw this like monster buck right. They'd be on the field edges or right in front of, I'm like, how is this happening? But you know, I was like, well, I must have made the right decision. Uh, we couldn't get into the tripod and get a shot. He was little then, but. Um, on any of those, but he ended up killing one later. But anyhow, so I'm like, we get in a truck and we're going home, and he enjoyed himself. And I thought, you know, if I would have made him sit in that stand and he didn't get a shot or something, he would have been, hmm. you know, horribly disappointed in his experience. And instead, now we did what he wanted. So, you know, he moved around. We saw a lot of country. We saw a lot of deer. We had a good time, and he's ready to go this afternoon. So hmm. that kind of dictated how I did it. And. You know, so we started doing that, and it's worked out for us, and that kind of led in, you know, we're still hunting now and different things, but they also, you know, they have, they've always had, you know, good boots, good clothes. If they, you know, they're going to be warm, we take yeah. snacks. You know, I, I'm not not into making it a job. It's not good for anybody, um, and that's that's a big part of it. And then their setup is everything. Um, you know, we build... We build their guns and custom fit them. I know their turkey guns are each and our single shots that we've whittled and cut and patched on cheek mounts, you know, and red dots. And I, I, you just have to capitalize on that stuff and make it, make it to where the shots the easy part. You know, put the work in out here in the shop and and in the yard when we're practicing. And um, you know, they don't have. I don't know of anything besides squirrels that either one of them have ever missed. I don't think Daniel's ever missed anything, actually. Hmm. He's killed a couple squirrels, some coons, uh, deer, and turkeys. i got to learn from you, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's put a lot of work in and, and uh, you know, and, uh, with his guns and stuff, you know, and he, when he pulls the trigger, and I've always preached that, too. They shoot single shots, and they know what's going to happen when they pull the trigger. And then Jackson... He's a little bit fresher getting started, but he's the same way. He's never he's shot two bucks now, and like I said, like he told us there, 185 yards with 357 last year was his first shot ever at a deer. Oh man! And he shot he shot his deer right in the neck. It was looking at us at 185 yards, and he told me I wasn't gonna let him shoot, but he said I can hit it, Dad. And he had never shot past 150, but I said I said I'll let you I'll let you try it, and he hit it right in the throat and dropped it. So, <laughs> and then ever since then, of course he. He knows he's not going to miss is what he says. <laughs> so this deer, all he had at it, the one he killed this year, which was, it was the biggest buck of all yeah. of us, actually, you know, as far as. It was as pretty big. Mine scores better as a 15 point, but his deer was a giant deer. And it was, 
it was not having any of us getting close to that doe, and he had his neck stuck out looking at us, and he shot it right in the neck too. Wow. So. I, I think that's pretty solid advice, the way that that, you know, I think letting them kind of call the shots is smart. And I, that's the thing, like with my three-year-old, I thought about, well, I could take her out and put some corn out there. But I realized at this stage in the game, that's going to be for me and not for her. She wouldn't enjoy it. So I'm just kind of taking it slow. I got a little toy bow for her. And, and I think, you know, you just kind of work that in and make it be their thing that they want to do if, if you want to do it, right? you got to let them tell you. They they'll they know when they're ready. They know when they want to go. That's like Cora. You know, she's she's so little and she's, you know, She's not been around hunting, hunting a whole lot, and she wanted to go after Christmas, and, you know, I didn't go take her to a tree stand on her first time out and make her sit and wait on a deer. We just went for a walk, you know what I mean? Yeah. We just And that's that's what I do with my coon dogs when I start them or my squirrel dogs. We go for a walk in the woods and start learning it, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. we, we caught a live possum and shot a squirrel, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it was a great experience, and she smiles every time she talks about it. My so. other sister, Addison, she's always been wanting to go hunting. And my dad takes her sometimes. She goes coyote hunting, so yeah, she go, uh, she cool. went coyote hunting, and she got to learn a bunch. Well, let me ask this: I usually kind of tie in, you know, this is something spiritual related toward the end. Um, but I, you know, I know that you guys are Christians and go to church and things like that. How does you know we just talked about kind of raising kids and hunting? How did you see that relating to raising kids to like have a faith of their own? Is there any? connection there i'll let you do the work for me i'm usually the one that kind of ties that in but I, I know that you could probably think of something how does it how do those things correlate man um uh you kind of threw that on me so <laughs> I'll, I'll go uh i guess the the easiest uh, the, and this may not be exactly what you want to but I, hunting and learning to hunt i know right now i'm big on like i said it it's changed from me hunting to to taking them hunting. That's what I want to do now. You know what I mean? And so I guess to me, my, uh, my faith, you know, with my faith and everything, it's a, it's a process. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't get baptized and become saved and instantly, you know, we're, we're, you know, the best Christians ever. It's, it's a process. You know what I mean? We're, we're working towards being like Jesus, I guess. So to me as a hunter, um, the way I would tie those two things together, you know, as as a Christian, you know, when when I'm saved, when I become saved, it's kind of a I'm a baby, you know, as far as as far as what I know and what I'm doing and and it's a process. So with these guys, I guess it's the same kind of thing as yeah. hunters, you know, it's you know, they you you start in, you make the decision to jump in, you know what I mean, and you're there and you're gung-ho. Um but then you hit the bumps in the road, you know, and then you have to learn how to deal with it. And then you have to find these situations, you know, like Miss Elaine, like, oh, it's going to be, I remember them saying, it's so scary. We don't want to go to her door and knock and ask, even though, you know, she's just a nice lady, but it was nerve wracking. So they, but they, you know, they saw a means to an end and they wanted to overcome it. So they, you know, they held hands like good little brothers and <laughs> walked themselves to the door and, you know, and asked her for permission or whatever. And it's, you know, they overcame that obstacle and, you know, you've hunting gives you all these different feelings and emotions and whatever. And it's just kind of like life. And I, hunting is a small picture of life. You know, it's, it's just like sports are a small picture of life. You, you, you learn so many things along the way and, you know, you like, you know, you don't become a, a hunter that knows what to do in the situation whenever, you know, you were presented with that, you know, that buck and you got to make the right calls and know when to move, know that he's looking at the squirrel and all that. You don't learn that overnight, and I, I think what you're saying is like spot on. Like with being a Christian, so often people become Christians and they like, man, I still struggle with sin. I still make mistakes. I don't know what to do. I don't understand this part of the Bible, and it's like you're not supposed to. You're growing, you know. You're learning, and it's uh, it's a process. Yeah, that's like. Yeah. yeah, every time we kill a deer, we try to thank him for it because he's the one that processed. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. Now, some now was it you or one of your siblings that uh, became Christian? Somebody was baptized recently, weren't they? I'll, I was baptized last year, January twenty seventh. Jackson was just before that, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Jackson was a few months before that, yeah. but yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, him and his, and then Addison was Addison after was, right after you. Yeah. So I'll put you on the spot too, Daniel. We'll wrap up. What made you want to get baptized? Like what? Like what made you want to take that step? I've just been. I don't know. I've been raised by a Christian family, and I just felt like I. Mm -hmm. What's What's the reason that you, you you decided you needed to be saved and get baptized? 
because it's putting your faith in Jesus Christ and yeah yeah right on man I'll give you a fist bump for that one <laughs> yeah and I you know that's and that's true I mean I'm not a you know I try to be the best mentor I can be in a lot of ways but you know I try to as you go along, you learn so much about hunting and so many things. You know, I could have spun around and looked at that deer in the eye that I saw, and it probably would have bounced off, and a lot of people would do that, you know, but I knew it in an instant, you know, just stay calm and, you know, whatever, and those are things I try to pass along to them, but, you know, they use me as a crutch, too, if they have a question, and I think that's, you know, another thing we can learn, you know, as far as tying it into a Christianity, I mean, there's there's all kind of people that are more mature Christians than you and I, you know, and are, have a lot more wisdom saved up because they're twice our age or been through, you know, a lot more of a walk or been through certain situations. So much like a kid hunting um, or a younger guy hunting or somebody new to hunting, there's a lot of people out there you can gain information from. And, and the same with our walk, you know. Um, the Bible is timeless because... Uh, we're facing the same problems today that people have faced for years, yep. just maybe with a little different twist to them. So it's been done over and over again. Look for the people that's been through it and, you know, gain the information you can. Same with hunting. Mm. So. That is, that's that's solid, very good. Man, I really appreciate you guys allowing me to come crash your house for a little bit and uh, check out your deer on the wall and, and all that fun stuff and hear your stories. Daniel, thanks for letting me come into your bedroom here and just uh, chill. We, we started in another room, but a little too much echo, so we, yeah. we kind of crashed the bunk beds here. So, <laughs> Ben, thanks for, um, just appreciate you coming on the show again and sharing your family and sharing those stories. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good time. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Really enjoyed talking to Ben and his kids. I just get excited about how excited they are over hunting. They love it, and uh, he's a super nice guy, and he's doing his best as a father to teach his kids how to hunt and teach them how to live life and to love the Lord. And um, that's about the best you can do and best you can hope for. Um, I don't know what your parents were like. I was blessed to have two great ones, and I hope that I can be that to my three girls. Uh, one of them's in heaven, so I know that, and the other two, I'm just doing my best. And it's hard. You don't know how to discipline. You don't know how to encourage sometimes. You don't know what they're thinking, and uh, sometimes you just want to get out into the woods. <laughs> but the reality is uh, we've been given a great um, blessing and a great responsibility. And all I know to do is spend some time praying, asking God to make me the best best dad that I can be and uh, hopefully they enjoy hunting but more importantly I, I hope that they just love God and they'll they'll learn to follow him so that's all I have for today thank you guys so much for listening hope that you'll come back next week hope that you're having a great 2020 and remember to shed the light <laughs>